Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com. Pick the giving option that works best for you and help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says, On the night he was betrayed. And church family, I want to ask the question this morning, have you ever been betrayed? Do you ever feel like someone who was supposed to be there for you bailed? Betrayal. Betrayal is something that Jesus understood so well. Jesus was sold out by a man that he regarded as a close friend for 30 pieces of silver, one month's wages. The betrayer, a man named Judas, had witnessed all of Jesus' miracles. He'd seen Jesus feed the 5,000. He'd seen Jesus walk on water. He'd seen Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. With his own two eyes, he witnessed miracle after miracle. He heard all of Jesus' teachings. And Judas was actually sitting at the table of communion. He was sitting there with Jesus when Jesus began to explain what the last week of his life would look like. Judas ate the bread at the communion table. And I wonder how much of us has a little bit of Judas in us? Because I wonder what is my price? What is all of our price? You see, Judas sold Jesus out for that month's wages, but what do I sell out for? Do I sell out for the promotion? To win the bid, to land the client, to make the sale? Do I sell out for my child's success? What do I sell Jesus out for? Is it for a relationship? Is it for a few more likes on social media? What is it? That's my price because each of us has a price. And that's the question that we have to ask ourselves this morning is what is, what is my price? First Corinthians 11, it says on the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Now Jesus knew exactly what he was facing. He knew what he was about to endure and yet he stopped and gave thanks to God. He knew what the next several days would be for him. Are we able like Jesus to be thankful in the midst of pain? Are we able to be thankful in the midst of heartache when things aren't going the way that we had hoped or planned? Are we able to bless God and say, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Even though my ex and I are still fighting three years after the divorce. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Even though the kids are freaking out. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Even though I feel desperately alone. 
Thank you, Lord, for your kindness, even though mom is still sick. Thank you, Lord, for your help, even though life is so hard right now. Can, can we thank God when life is a mess? When things aren't going according to plan, when we're in the middle of brokenness or betrayal? There's just so much to be thankful for, but sometimes we think it has to be perfect to be thankful. But here's Jesus holding the bread of communion that he knows symbolizes his own body about to be broken. And he stops and he thanks God. And church family, before we continue on with the service this morning, I actually want us to stop. In the midst of imperfect, in the midst of breaking, and thank God in the privacy of our hearts. Let's just pause and thank God for the things, for the people, for the ways in which he's blessed us recently. God, you're good. And you've blessed us in so many ways, even when life feels disappointing or even when it feels like a mess or it's just not the way we planned that you're still God and you're still on the throne and you still love us. We're so grateful for the things, for the people that you've brought into our lives. Thank you for our families, for our friendships. Thank you for our homes. Thank you for all the material stuff that you've given to us. Thank you, of course, for you. Thank you, God, for your presence that you never leave us or forsake us. We have so much to be grateful for, Lord, even when it's not going the way we expect. Thank you. 1 Corinthians 11 continues. It says, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now notice friends that Jesus broke the bread. I think this is important to, to recognize that, that Jesus himself broke the bread. No one reached over and took it from his hands and ripped it in half without his consent. The bread which symbolizes Jesus' own body. He himself offered up. He didn't have to offer his life. He chose to offer his life. He wanted to. He wanted to lay his life down for us. It wasn't taken from him. He gave it. And the truth is that he won't grab our lives from us either. He won't rip them from our hands. He will only take what we willingly lay down. And he asked us this question, how much are you willing as my son or my daughter, how much are you willing to give me access to? He asks that question of every person in the room because he gave. And now what's our response? Like what will we give? And if I'm brutally honest, it seems like there's always an area in my life that I'm like, oh no, don't look there, Lord. Don't go there. I don't want you to have access to that. There's conversations I have that I wish he sometimes wouldn't overhear. Parts of my day I wish somehow he couldn't see. But he asks us that question 
Do you give me access to everything? And some of us are saying, oh yeah, you can have access to my day timer, but not the checkbook. Or you can have access to some relationships in my life, but not my romantic relationships. You can have your quiet time, 10, 15 minutes in the morning, Lord, but the rest of the day, that's, that's my time. And when we come to church, we know the right thing to say. We know we should say things like, I give it all to Jesus. I surrender it all to the Lord. We know those are the right answers, but do the choices that we make every day really reflect that? I sometimes wonder what would happen if like Bethel worship followed me around everywhere I went for a couple days. And then they wrote a song based on how I actually lived my life. Like, would the lyrics be the same stuff that we sing? Or would the lyrics be more like this? I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Jesus except my kids' sports. I surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Him only on Sundays. I surrender all. Thank you. <laughs> the only time people ever clap for me to sing. Okay, so, but if they really, if they really looked at how we lived, what would the song be written like? Would it be the same stuff we sing? Because Jesus is asking of us the same thing he did for us. He laid it all down. He didn't hold back anything. He didn't reserve a part of himself, but he laid his whole self down for us first. And then he calls us, he invites us to do the same thing. So Jesus is at the table and he's going through the meal and he's fully aware of what the next few days are going to entail. He's foreshadowing, he's predicting and explaining as he's taking the elements of communion and he's walking his closest followers through it. He knows that in just a few minutes that Judas is gonna get up from the table. He knows that he'll slip out into the night and he'll go find the religious leaders. Jesus knows that Judas is gonna sell him out for a month's wages. He knows that he'll reveal his location to the Jewish leaders in exchange for that money. And he knows that they'll send guards to have him arrested while he prays. Jesus is fully aware, standing at the communion table, that he's gonna be led away in chains that very night. And he's gonna be drugged into a trial that's a complete farce, that witnesses will be paid to lie about him. And he knows that he's gonna eventually be brought before the Roman leader, Pilate. He knows all of that before any of it even happens. And he still lays it down. And while standing before the Roman leader, Pilate, he is fully aware that he's committed no crime. And Pilate knows it too. Pilate knows that Jesus is truly innocent and the people who've gathered to accuse him are just jealous of his success. 
So Pilate tries to give away to let Jesus off the hook. He offers the opportunity to the crowd. What should we do with this man, this Jesus of Nazareth? And the crowd that gathers shouts, crucify him, crucify him. And I wonder, what do I chant when I'm hidden in a crowd about Jesus? Do I separate myself from him and hide just because I'm in a workplace? Am I silent about him amidst a crowd that despises him? Because it's not enough. Jesus doesn't need my rescuing, but he does deserve my loyalty. And he laid it all down for us. He gave himself for us. And if in church and around our Christian friends, we can talk about it, but everywhere else we're shockingly silent. Well, friends, that's, that's not loyalty. Are we loyal to Jesus? We need to ask ourselves, am I loyal to Jesus or is he just a friend when it's convenient to me? So Jesus is sentenced to death by crucifixion and he's forced to lug his own cross, the instrument of his torture up the hills through Jerusalem to the place of execution. And he carries it through the winding roads amidst the onlookers. Thousands of people saw Jesus carry his cross. These were the same people that just a few days before laid the palms on the road and shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna. These are the same people that ate the bread when Jesus fed the 5,000. These are the same people that, that brought their children to Jesus and he laid hands on them and he blessed them. But now here in a different setting, they spit and they kick dirt in his face because they don't recognize him. He appears differently in this moment and they didn't realize that all of this was a fulfillment of something that the prophet Isaiah had predicted thousands of years before. Isaiah 53, it said, yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. And so Jesus was led to the place the Romans called Skull Hill, the place where they commonly execute criminals. And the cross that Jesus lugged up the hill, he was throwing down upon it. And the Romans took spikes and they drove it through his hands and through his feet. And then they strung him up for everyone to see and he hung there in agony and he breathed his very last breath and all of this Jesus knew when he broke the bread he knew it was going to happen and yet he took the bread and he said this is my body given for you do this in remembrance of me. And this, friends, is what we celebrate at communion. 
Let's take the bread. God, we are so grateful, Jesus, that you would do all of this, that you would lay your life down for us. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Corinthians 11 continues it says in the same way he took the cup of wine after supper saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup you are announcing the Lord's death until he came again Jesus knew not only would his body be broken, but also that his blood would be shed. And he knows the scriptures say in Hebrews 9 that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And willingly, he chose to shed his blood on our behalf. And it's just so, the whole truth is so encapsulated in this one verse in scripture most famous verse in all the Bible, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever, rich, poor, old, young, black, white, strong, weak, healthy, sick, whosoever should believe in him would not perish, but receive everlasting life. And he had the option in this moment, he could have called 10,000 angels. He could have said, get me out of here. But instead, instead he shed his blood on our behalf. He formed the earth with his commands and he breathed his breath into humanity. And then he allowed that very creation to spill his blood on the earth that he formed because he loved us. Jesus, we are so in awe of your goodness to us that you would love us so much that while we were still sinners and we were at our worst, that you pursued us for relationship and that you love us enough to lay down your life thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake of the wine. In addition to being nailed to the cross, there was a second punishment given to Jesus beforehand. And this is not normally a punishment that's associated with crucifixion. It's a completely separate punishment that was given and it's the whipping. And it was done in this era of the Roman empire with a weapon called the cat of nine tails. And this is a replica of that weapon. And as you can see, it's a whip with nine separate strands of leather and woven into the strands of leather are sharpened rock and sharpened metal. And it was designed to inflict the most possible pain on the person receiving the punishment. It would, it would dig into the back during the whipping and pull flesh from bone. And Jesus endured a whipping before the crucifixion, which is totally not normal. The other thief, the thief on the right and the thief on the left, they 
were simply crucified, but Jesus was whipped and beaten in addition to the crucifixion. And I think the scriptures show that the reason that happened from the Roman leader Pilate's perspective was he was trying to get Jesus off the hook with just the beating and not actually execute him. And maybe the Jewish leader's plan or even the devil's plan was double curse upon him, double the punishment is maybe what they were going for. But I believe the scriptures show that Jesus deliberately shouldered a second punishment for a specific reason to give us as his children a very special gift, a second gift. So when we look at this text, we've read it earlier, Isaiah 53, it says, but he was pierced for our rebellion and crushed for our sins. So this word piercing, it's literally referring to the crucifixion, the piercing of the hands and the feet. And this text in Isaiah was written thousands of years before execution was even a thing, before the Roman empire invented it. And they drove this through his hand. And so when the prophet Isaiah wrote, he was pierced. I believe that refers to the crucifixion and refers to Jesus dying on the cross for us to purchase our salvation. But then the next two parts of this verse, the phrasing is so interesting. It says this, he was beaten that we might have peace. He was whipped and we were healed. So whatever the Roman leader was thinking, whatever the devil or the Jewish leaders was thinking, I don't know, but I can tell you what Jesus was thinking of. He was thinking of Isaiah 53 and he was knowing he had to take the whipping and the beating before the crucifixion to purchase for us the gift of peace and healing. My peace I give to you, he says in John 16, my peace I give to you, not peace as the world gives, but my peace, why? Did he endure two punishments to purchase two separate gifts for his children? And this isn't just an obscure Old Testament reference. It's, it's echoed again in the New Testament in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. Salvation. By his wounds, you are healed, healing. That's why he endured it. Two punishments for two gifts. He purchased our peace and he purchased our healing and he gives them freely to us. And at the altar of communion, we celebrate that Jesus gives us both. I don't know what 2018 has been like for you. Um, but for me, it's been, it's been pretty much the worst year ever. And in, on January 10th of 2018, my father passed away and it was totally, totally unexpected. And my family was completely unprepared for that news and receiving the phone call and just trying to even process what had happened. He had a, a massive heart attack while vacationing. And I got the news and I immediately needed to prepare our whole family to travel from Colorado to Wisconsin where my mother and my brothers were. When 
I arrived there and I walked into the living room I grew up in, I was so aware that I wasn't just a daughter, that I was also a pastor. Everyone looked to me to know what to do all year long. And so within a few days of that, I'm standing in a church and there's a big picture of my dad and his urn. And I'm talking to hundreds of people that have known my dad for decades and I'm performing my own father's funeral. And the year just continued. There were moments where things got better and then there's moments where things feel worse again. And um, God did a lot of healing throughout the whole year and, and giving me strength. But it was, a, 2018 was a hard year for me. And I think the moments that really revealed to me the most about this truth that Jesus purchased for us healing and peace was at the 4640 conference, which is our annual youth conference that we have over in the 4640 building that used to be big church. And we were there and we were standing down front and Pastor Joe was leading worship and hundreds of kids and the presence of God was so thick and so real in the room in that moment. And I'm just worshiping along with my students right in the middle, down front. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just begins to speak to me and he says, this is the room, 4640 room. And this is the spot, the very spot. And then he kind of put an image, like a picture in my mind. And I actually have a picture that's very similar. I realized that I actually got married in that room. My dad actually walked me down that aisle to the very spot that I was standing in at the front where the old altar used to end. That's where I was standing in that moment. And that's where he took my arm and put it in the arm of my husband, Lavelle, and gave me away. And when all of that kind of came to mind by the Holy Spirit, I just began to cry. I just began to weep. And Jesus just began a a deep and beautiful healing down inside of me. And friends, the truth is that healing is a lot of layers, like an onion. And oftentimes, especially with emotional hurt and heartache, it, it doesn't just miraculously go away in one moment, but layer by layer, our heavenly father delicately peels it back and brings healing to that same spot. And I don't know what your story is. I don't know what your year looked like. But I think there's a spot in every human that needs healing. And maybe for you, that healing is a physical healing. Your kidneys aren't working the way that they should. Maybe your eyesight is failing. Just in generally, you've been in poor health and you need God to heal you in your body. Or maybe that healing is in your mind. You, you wrestle with anxiety and fear and panic and you're just, you're not whole in your mind for some reason. Maybe you're struggling with some form of dementia. I don't know. Or maybe your healing is emotional. 
Like you've just had a tough year. You've been through a lot and you need Jesus to meet you where you're at. And as 2018 is kind of coming to an end, I, I know for me, I don't wanna bring something in to 2019 to drag something in that Jesus would heal now in 2018. I don't wanna bring it into the new year. Maybe it's a disappointment. Some part of life is just not turning out the way that you thought it would or should. You're just disappointed and now it feels like it's too late. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's ADHD, whatever it is. In your own heart and mind, just kind of determine that you want to give Jesus access to that place. And I know at 4640 conference, when I'm standing there and the Holy Spirit was just kind of revealing this to me, there was some thoughts that went through my mind. I thought, oh my gosh, like, I'm in my own youth center and I'm the pastor here overseeing this whole conference. I can't possibly start ugly crying right now. I can't go there. I can't open this up. I don't know how, what it will come out. I don't know how it'll go. I don't know what it'll look like. But then I realized if we don't let Jesus heal, we will bleed on someone who didn't cut us. And we have to stop we have to take our hands like a little kid off the owie and let our heavenly father have access to whatever is going on in our heart, in our minds, in our body. Even if it looks, even if it looks messy, whatever's wrong, whatever's wrong within you is not bigger than what's right within Jesus. And so I'd like to invite you to stand if you would invite you to stand and I want you to just bring to mind looking at at this year for yourself for your own family your own life your own health and find that thing inside of you that feels the most broken the thing that needs the peace that needs the wholeness that needs the healing that Jesus encourages us to celebrate through communion bring it to your minds bring it to the front And what we're gonna do is we're just gonna press in to a a few moments of worship. And as we do, I want you to worship like your healing kind of depends on it, like like you're expecting something from God for him to move inside you and bring that healing that you've been waiting for. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, Romans 10, 9. You can do that right now. I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on a cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY 
or at prayer at fellowshipgga.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.